0: Eventually, you know what's so blessed about today so far? What's that? At least for this whole episode, my nose has been clear. I haven't sounded super nasally. I got good flow and passage. It's very blessed. I
1: love that for you. No Doritos in the throat.
0: Thank you, dude. Actually, I just took a bite of a chicken rice platter I made last night, and the rice was very like when rice gets cold and it gets like very granular. There we go. I almost choked this is, on this it. This is the beginning. But since this Dan taught me. Starts. So well to breathe through my nose, relax while I'm eating. Now I'm okay. Fantastic. Another cured. It's like when Nixium cured that guy of his fucking Tourette's. It's just like that. But you, but this is more important because I could have choked and died had you not given me that yeah, advice. Yeah, even
1: worse, you could have choked and just been really fucking annoying about it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just taking care of it, just fucking living with a Dorito in your throat for a month like a fucking psycho. <laughs> Look,
0: I felt like I, you weren't taking to care it. of
1: it so that you could fucking make it a bit on the
0: podcast. <laughs> I was like, drink water. I will die for my art. <laughs> Whatever's left of it. Yeah. All right. All right. sheets um, <laughs> today's film is our second Devin Sawa film yeah. to get back to what I was uh, talking Sh- shout- about
1: shout out to Wook World I don't know if it was Relics or Jambase who fucking started posting about this movie a few Relics weeks to... I didn't but, know
0: Relics was still a thing but, but shout out if you're listening to this because that is not where I heard about this when I did the drug bracket uh, on the rental zone, yeah. Of which I will be revealing the 16 picks on air at the end of this episode to Dan's quick GGR scale. Okay. Somebody wrote, "Why didn't you do around the fire?" Okay. And I had never fucking heard of it before, and then I saw it pop up from the Relics article. And usually, I see Relics, I'm like, skip this. Yeah, yeah. And I only because I saw those three words. Devon Sawa <laughs> <laughs> I had a moment where I was like yeah this is it click the poster see Tara Reed dressed as a Wook realizing my mind from a fictional to reality creation of a movie standpoint that two people Dev and Sawa of Final Destination fame and Tara Reed. of SLC Punk fame of Casper fame sure Casper is probably my favorite uh, <laughs> Devin Tala movie of the fanatic fame and etc. cetera. Of American Pie fame. That's always number one for me with her. Yeah. All American. other below that. I'm um, also a fan of American Wedding. They had to train these people to be wooks. Yeah. And they didn't do a bad job. She looked when- like she was tossing that veggie stir fry down.
1: I got to say, when I saw the premise of this movie... I was like, I felt like I had a immediately made a construct in my head of what it was gonna be, how it was gonna completely fucking miss the mark of what that whole thing is like. Wow,
0: really? Like, I that's was like, weird.
1: I was like, this is gonna be so fucking hamfisted and corny, and parts of it were. But then there were a a moments, there were moments where I was like, fuck, that's <laughs> what my life was like, they literally. Did it. <laughs> That's literally what it was
0: like. One thing that I found to be a positive experience while I was watching this movie is that I'm sitting there. I got a big joint twisted. I'm watching this movie. Devin Sawa is being introduced to his first, like, college-era plastic bong. Yeah. And he's ripping his first tube. Yeah. Which... Was and the a-
1: fact that he wasn't hacking up a lung, I was like, these people never smoke that
0: thing. <laughs> um... And as that was happening, and I was blazing it up, praising Ja and the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I realized it was 420. Oh. And I was like, holy Bro, shit, dude. Like, dude. I was like, A, that is prime a, fucking nugs, dude. Had a completely <laughs> terrible day at work. At no point did I think to myself, it's 420 Blaze it. Got home, was not in a good mood, didn't That's because 420
1: Blaze is a state of mind, Dan. you ended up there.
0: <laughs> Twisted a big one to forget about my problems at work. And as I'm watching Devin Sawa I hit that thing, and like at, at this point, I mean that is like uh maybe twelve minutes into this movie, because we're gonna unpack just the first ten minutes for a little bit, because I think it, it really cuts to like what our personal involvement with this movie is but dude like at at that point it really not much had gone on and I realized it was 420 and I was like this this is probably the perfect 420 movie dude it all really just fell together and it was just a blessed experience in general
1: dude it happened naturally bro like when you when you would go to like gathering of the vibes And there'd be some dude fucking trying to hand out Bhagavad Gita's Mm -hmm. at a festival and telling you how you need to transcend and reach spiritual nirvana so you can become one with the universe. Like that is when you truly embody 420 blaze it. So it's not a conscious choice. If you're going to think about that, it's about to be time to 420 blaze it. You've already missed the mark. Dan naturally is in a state of 420 blaze it. This movie unlocked something in his fucking suppressed Wook brain. This
0: is so true.
1: To the point where he, he fucking looked at the clock. It switched from 419 to 420 and your fucking inner child came out in that moment and you are like, I'm here. I'm here to go to the concert The concert. on tour, see sheets, be transacted. I read in the Times this morning that the concerts are going to be here through Thursday.
0: And they work and they continued to be I let the state of 420 come on naturally like Bob Marley's cancer. We, we didn't even touch on the jam band list.
1: I fucking hate I like reggae. That. I hate reggae. Oh, I love reggae. Hate it.
0: Some, Some of my list. favorite bands toots and the maytals. Any jam um, band incorporating reggae I'm system. done with. I like real actual reggae like from Jamaica. Like when I was in like 2009-2010, I had a group of wok friends that I was touring like biscuit shows with and we would listen to, like, up-and-coming, like, rap reggae artists that would make the most banging shit, like, they would drop, like, hour-long mixes, it was, like, at the point when, like, the magician started dropping, like, magic tapes for the first time, and, like, I would get to, like, listen to one of those things every week, and it was just, like, very religious experience, I have a huge, huge connection to reggae, and still love certain reggae projects. Um, I just don't really like white people reggae. The whitest reggae I've ever enjoyed is John Brown's Body. And that was an offshoot of seeing them at like Starscape and festivals that the Biscuits were playing. And they were really talented. They played Ithaca a lot. Yeah, they're. Well, hmm.
1: White people listening to reggae is embarrassing. I used to like. White people with dreadlocks at festivals giving thanks and praise to the <laughs> Lord before they go and fucking <laughs> like yell at the other dude for being religious. <laughs> You're the worst I human on earth. Dude. like on two separate Run occasions, I, I have sat on the pool deck at on Jam Cruise surrounded <laughs> by all of these well off white people mm-hmm. just like watching like Ziggy Marley at one in the afternoon on a fucking Tuesday. See, but
0: you put yourself in that situation. You support that. You shouldn't be part of that. I stay away from that. You do. Like I, I was like, I would go out of my way and travel to see Toots in the Maytals when I was like. 1718. That was one of the best because you found out live that bands I've ever seen. The
1: best Sublime song was actually a cover of them.
0: Love Sublime. Yeah. Still can listen to Sublime sometimes. Not so much.
1: Dude.
0: Uh, find myself listening from that era for me to more Nirvana than Sublime.
1: The um the single most impactful thing to my early formative pot smoking years was sitting watching the iTunes visualizer <laughs> with my boys. And listening to 40 Answers to Freedom, (laughs) particularly "Let's Go Get Stoned" from Sublime, with all the N.W.A. samples from the song "The World's Biggest Dick," where the whole song's about how giant his dick is. Right. And he's just, I said, "Suck the motherfucker, you biting it? Shit." Jesus. And just dying of laughter. Sublime, (laughs) problematic entity. Love it. Um, (laughs) cautionary tale.
0: Well, yeah. Lou Dog. You know, and if you made listen, if you made a. uh, movie out of um bradley noel is that his name from sublime yeah yeah um you could watch that and say what is this an anti-drug psa like around the fire yeah it gets dark yeah i wish it was not chronologically out of order it really does a disservice to the entire movie
1: i wish it picked a fucking tone and
0: wasn't trying to be a horror movie at moments the only thing positive and i knew it the moment that i saw it to come from the chronological, out-of-order nature of the movie was that we got to start with an opening shot of Devon Sawa chugging acid out of an eyedropper. Yeah. And I instantly knew that's what he was doing. And I was like, this is cutting deep. This one's going to cut me deep. Yeah.
1: And it did. And then it immediately cut to, like, fucking childhood home trauma. And I was okay, like, oh, so good. First 10 minutes, right?
0: <laughs> You're presented with Devin Sawa chugging LSD. He is marked in this movie and his age and progress through the Wook world by his hair extensions, their length, yeah, their visibility. Man. And also, fair. He he kind of just ends up looking like Knuckles or Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) Like, he has, like, anime hair when they should have just thrown a couple dreads in. Like, he didn't have dreads. No. They just gave him, like, what kind of what Anakin had going on in the back of his head in episode three (laughs) just like a ruffled tuft of, like, mullet. He just had some
1: matted hair going on.
0: It was very, like, ding, 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 whoa. Um, so his appearance throughout is marked by his dread length. And when the movie opens, he's got his like...
1: It's like Sis and Kane with the table well, getting longer. Okay.
0: <laughs> There's also like uh, his hemp necklaces, which increase like the rings yeah. of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> and you can count yeah. his progress through the Wook world by and how, how many heady, rings he And has. how heady
1: his wire wrap becomes over time. <laughs> yeah and I'm just like laughing and I'm like in the basement somewhere amongst my shit I have a fucking wire wrap that at some point I paid $200 for in a parking lot of a fish concert Mm -hmm. like and I'm just like every single this movie was two hours of me being like what a fucking stupid asshole of me being like oh wait I did exactly that in exactly that setting
0: quick story uh, for anecdotes sake yeah Um, also not available in the books don't worry no spoilers (laughs) I had a crystal wrap that was my main personality for a while, and said crystal rap. I remember you with a crystal wrap. I had a very intricate crystal wrap. And rap. it was beefy. And there's a lot of people that know this story, so I'll just tell it very briefly and very quickly, to the best of my knowledge at this point in my life. But um, I knew a guy named Dan Winesoff in upstate New York who Enough was... Enough with the Dans. Who was deeply troubled by anxiety, socially and beyond. And in fact... We knew that he was autistic, but he was not ever given proper psychological help for it. And when I mean autistic, I mean like very visibly, socially autistic. And not from drug use, anything like that. He did love the dead and was related to Donna, strangely enough. I mean, in one way or another. Those are weird genes
1: to inherit.
0: Bought this crystal wrap
1: when. Pause. What was that fucking band? That was, like, Donna's son.
0: Boombox. I've played with them many times.
1: That shit sucks ass.
0: Sometimes it's good. Okay. He's... It's, uh, sometimes I like oh, that. Oh, wait. We're supposed to save that for the Patreon. Um... <laughs> so, um...
1: Your anxiety-riddled friend.
0: Dan winds off was related to members of the Grateful Dead, and... He was always GDF and only about the dead and thought they were this positive, beautiful force. Finally saw the light of the biscuits. I don't really remember how that happened, but it ended up happening.
1: This story never ends well. Never. Not one time.
0: Bought a crystal wrap. Really ornate. Bought it from my friend, The Scientist, who is the brother of the drummer from Jim Gymkata.
1: Yeah, and also surely a character in this movie.
0: Um... (laughs) Everyone's named,
1: like, The Scientist.
0: The Scientist made him a rap. He was, like, the best rap maker in Ithaca at the time. Um, Dan, oh, oh, what do they call it, overcorrecting? Uh, he he leaned super hard into becoming a Biscuits kid. He burned one time... Again, he was autistic, but... <laughs> he burned one time 100-plus CDs in a weekend of just biscuit sets and had them organized in his car. Was obsessed. Went to Langorado... This was in 2008, what, I think. What is that, Florida? Florida. Yeah. Because he was so dedicated. Remember
1: when there used to be so many awesome festivals all the time?
0: Was wearing, yes, was wearing his crystal wrap, was in the swamp tent, and had a moment on acid where Mark Brownstein communicated with him telepathically and told him that he needed to sell his crystal wrap and quit being a Biscuits kid. So you have two
1: friends who were telepathically communicating with the Disco Biscuits? Oh
0: yeah, I have more than that. I mean, counting a a girlfriend of mine who ended up on stage. Alright, that'll happen in the
1: fucking After Dark episode too, because that shit's all (laughs) insane. Um, We need to go into like the sorted,
0: like, like the sorted under, like there's like dark side of the 90s. We need like dark side of the jam band scene. Anyway, um... So he came back and he met up with me and me and my roommate thought he was the best character ever because he was just so unhinged. You would just never know what this dude was going to do. He was so bizarre. And he's currently a kindergarten teacher.
1: All of your roommate stories are just insane. Married to a black woman. (laughs) Did
0: you ever have a normal roommate? Oh, dude. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. (laughs) That could be an entire podcast. It's just my roommates. Um... Uh, anyway, he came back and said, I quit. And I was like, what do you mean you quit? He said, I can't even listen to it ever again. And I was like, that show was really sick, was it not? And he was like, he climbed into my mind. He told me I wasn't a part of the biscuits family. He, <laughs> he told me, he told me I need to sell my crystal wrap. So I there with my roommate, we were geeking out so hard. He thought it was <laughs> the funniest thing in the entire world. I immediately, because when he bought the crystal wrap I was like, this is too much. Dude started listening to the Biscuits two months ago and just bought a wrap. This has gotten crazy out of control. Was like, I need to sell this to you. And I was like, I will absolutely take that. And there is <laughs> there is no backseas. I'll yeah. have you know, sir. Sold it to me for $200. It was like $1,500. Oh, my God. I started wearing it at every Biscuit show. I was getting spun all the time. I was doing gravity amounts of Molly at every single show losing my mind. Biscuits 09, I was 40 shows in. I probably wore that rap to every single show. At one point or another in that moment in 2009, I decided at a show that no, this was 2000 this stretched into 2010, was it Mega Biscuits? Yeah. at Paper Mill Island. I said that if the Biscuits play Lunar Pursuit at the show, I'm going to take my wrap off and throw it as hard as I can at Barbara. <laughs> Don't know where the idea came from, but at the time in 2009, I was ready to declare, in 2010, sorry, was ready to retire. I had two retirement moments for the Biscuits. Once in 2008, where I declared I'd never see them again because I felt like I was slipping, like mentally. Really well,
1: Mega Biscuits and AC was that for me. I didn't see them for four years after that.
0: Sure. So I got to the, the Mega Biscuit show. I got absolutely murked, out of my mind. It was not only one of the best like, biscuit shows I've ever seen, one of the best um, concert experiences. It was on a private island in Syracuse. Yeah, I remember. Gorgeous. I remember. Just one of the craziest venue experiences. My friend who I brought said she like had a dream that she was going to fuck Barber. And we went to the show, and she actually fucked Barber. She fucked him in the shower. Long story short, we didn't ever think she was going to. We thought she was out of her mind at the time, actually.
1: I feel like it's probably not the hardest thing to achieve.
0: And she went from not knowing him to fucking him in that moment. (laughs) One, like, one-day manifestation. The next time she saw him, he was sound-checking for Red Rocks a year or two later. And she was spun, and he looked at her weird, so she took a bottle of water and poured it all over her body and ran away. (laughs) Shout out, Emily. Uh. And at the Paper Mill Island Biscuit Show, I was so high that I called my grandparents and told them I love them. (laughs) I was rolling so hard uh, that the biscuits played Lunar Pursuit. I took my crystal wrap off and I threw it on stage. It landed directly at Barbara's feet. After the show, I did K for probably like the first time in a year or so, and I did too big of a bump and it was a fresh batch that we cooked in the venue's microwave. Then I was introduced to a situation where Emily, I almost said her last name, led me to uh, the biscuits room saying that she'd been invited by Barbara. I almost didn't believe her. I followed her into this hotel room. The hotel room door opened. My case started hitting me. I started blacking out. I look in the hotel room at a bunch of familiar faces and realize it's all of the members of the biscuits, (laughs) not even a manager, not a buffer fan, nothing at all, just the four members of the biscuits. And I walked in And as Kay was taking a hold of me, I attempted to communicate to Magner, the keyboardist of the biscuits, that I had recently found out that my mom had had Shabbat dinner with his mom. (laughs) (laughs) And as I was explaining this, I started losing mobility of speech. And I basically was like, sis, my mom saw us. Yo, mom, was Shabbos. And Magner looked at me and he was like, dude, get a grip.
1: (laughs) That poor man.
0: And I like stumbled backwards out of this hotel He's the most
1: approachable in the band so he always gets this shit.
0: (laughs) This was like one of the first times I had met them. And stumbled out of that room, like fell against the wall and was like, that was mortifying.
1: Yeah. I told you about when Mike Gardner just slept in his bed at Catskill, right? (laughs) He just went into the wrong cabin and Magner found Mike Gardner. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) I've struggled with this movie um, because I keep wanting to say across the fire and in my brain and out loud. And every time I type it, I want to say across. I don't know if this is because of the movie across the universe or that there's not a lot of things that start with the word around. Yeah, is that I, what a preposition? It is. Like around, under, around, is a preposition. Starting a the movie. The dad has title. a song called
1: "Around and Around."
0: And like there is a drum circle around a fire. I'll give it. I'll give it to them there. But like, wow, really sent me for a loop.
1: This, in a lot of ways, this movie made me kind of miss getting
0: spun. hold take for me on that one. (laughs) This movie reminded me the scene where Devin Sawa like stumbles into the concert and looks up like the slope of chairs and like Tara reads up there in the dark doing her like fucking matrix moves, her like swirl moves that like probably a professional dancer had to teach her. Yeah. To react to jam band music. AKA Hooper. Um, it was, inc- Yeah, I mean, it was incredible. I was like, yeah, this is what sucks yeah. <laughs> about being spun and everyone's wearing tie-dye and it's a piece of shit.
1: The only thing that got me through this movie mentally was that, like, thank God, um, I started doing all this shit younger and before my parent died because, therefore, that means me and this guy are nothing alike.
0: <laughs> Look, man, I take whatever wins you need to because this was... Personally, a very fucked up relational story to you, I'm sure, in some way or another. Um, in, so many, in, in so many ways. I don't know if we want to go into it, but some of his later struggles in life.
1: We can go into it, man. Mimic like,
0: popular articles that you can find on the internet. Not
1: anymore, man. I got that shit gone finally. Such
0: as. <laughs> no, I know. What was the fucking headline?
1: Um, New Jersey man arrested with half million dollars of LSD on I-95. So I
0: saw that article. Not
1: true. I've never had half a million dollars worth of anything. I saw
0: the article before I was, before that I knew it was you.
1: Yeah, so did fucking everybody on Fantasy Tour, Dan. (laughs) Dude, I get home, I get home from this hell, dude, uh, alright, so I get, (laughs) I get arrested, I'm in Baltimore jail overnight, from there I go to Gathering of the Vibes Festival, from there, directly. Um, eat L there, like an idiot. Really realize the state of my life. Uh, fucking, I'm in a situation where they're accusing me of having all this LSD, uh, and they did this big press release, and because of the press release, they're under a lot of pressure to, like, really fuck me, and they want to send me to prison for 20 years. And for two years I'm going to court in Maryland and they'll be like we'll offer you a plea you can have 19 years and I'm just like dude what is happening like I have a clean record like what, what is happening here and uh, long story short everything worked out just like in this movie everything works <laughs> out for my man in the
0: end with like literally minimal repercussions yeah he even got his vegetable stir fry job back dude
1: Everything just going smoothly. And I'm just like, man, what a privileged fuck. And then I'm like, man, I am the most privileged motherfucker alive. I fucking, this mirrored so much of my life in such weird ways. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the backstory is that like his fucking parent died and the other parent neglected him. I'm just like, come mm-hmm. on, man. Yeah, this like, was a lot. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> I, I was like, <laughs>
1: I'm like, this is true. Like, it's not propaganda because this is easily what could happen. Right. And then I sit there and I'm like. I look at my life now, and I'm like, the fact that I'm watching this movie, and like, I'm seeing this as a character, and like, what a crazy tale, and it's like all shit that I don't think about anymore, because I'm so far removed from it, Right. that like, I was just like, this is, like, at any number of junctures, I could have become any person in this movie. Sure. Like, and at any, like, I never went to rehab, thankfully, but like, I, dude,
0: like. But, I mean, you got in more trouble than Devin Sala got in. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I had a three-year streak where I just got in trouble over and over and over again and was just, like, not wrapping my head around it. Like, I was just, like, so fucking yeah. just, like, and that out, happened, like, out there just fucking wandering aimlessly like just, like, a privileged idiot. It was like I got right. convinced on tour that, like, I was invincible.
0: My My ex-roommate, <laughs> Barry, <laughs> to go back into my roommates for one second... My ex-roommate Barry, who is now the like GM of La Colombe, the fucking oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. drink thing, um, he was arrested 14 times <laughs> when he was a Biscuits kid. Like When I met him and we became roommates, he had already been arrested, I think, 12 times, 14 times, whatever. It was an astronomical number. He grew up in New Jersey and was a juggalo and then became a Biscuits kid. Was the head of the Juggalo family. I, I remember you telling oh, me. And they would like fly him around the country and shit and take pictures with him. And he became a biscuits kid and saw them like a hundred times before I even did. Like, was just had, had crazy stats. Was a complete woke when I met him and is still a great guy. Was a great guy then. But like, yeah, I mean.
1: Dude, I got it's, home. It,
0: it's amazing, like, what people can achieve yeah. like, in and out of being it's, in this situation
1: literally but. all you have to do is stop going to these concerts
0: when he, but I, I, dude, I think he was arrested at starland ballroom with the biscuits four times or something like every single time he went dude, he'd get arrested one of for my selling out.
1: best friends i watched get arrested so many times in such a short span for so many crazy things like crashing into a cop car like <laughs> and now he runs like one of the most successful businesses in the city it's unbelievable but like Dude, when I when I got arrested for that shit with the L in Maryland, like I can't I went right to vibes. I turned my phone off for obvious fucking reasons. I come back. I go on fantasy tour at the top of fucking the blackboard (laughs) and the green board is just like the headline of that article and pages and pages (laughs) of people being like, whoever that dude is, that dude's fucked. Just like as these news articles tend to be, which then transitioned to a a person being like, I know that name. Isn't that dude a PTR? And then they are like, oh, this is the bass player of cocktail party phenomenon. And people start posting pictures of me on stage <laughs> and links to cocktail shows and people being like, "Well, oh, I obviously would have arrested that guy fucking looking like that, like mm-hmm. playing that fucking jam band music and people shitting on my band. <laughs> I have all these... I, I was a-
0: probably in there, dude. Fucking slam dunk in, like, probably being like, this dude is the man, whoever he is.
1: Like- I have all these PMs of people telling me to kill myself. Like, <laughs> sick. Dude. like I was just like, dude, this S- is awesome. That was, I mean, that was definitely like what made
0: me be like, this whole scene is so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like- I lived a little more of a privileged life than Dan. I had both parents around. I was loved unconditionally. I just rebelled very heavily. And in that moment of rebellion, at the heat, at the height of my issues, my parents became Orthodox Jews. <laughs> that accelerated me into a really bad path. But I was trying to play music that whole time, and um, my band, Bass Drum Bingo, got its first gig with like <laughs> like an actual stage and the, a guy, George Hadler, what was his name that did sound for the Biscuits at one point, and he came and did sound for the show at the Drought Horse in Philadelphia. And, um, this was in 2007? Eight. And, um, that was the first real, like, show I played, like, in the scene, quote unquote. It was us and Digifront and Jed Bueller's band. Jed Bueller's band first. And, um, uh, I drove down from Ithaca with my roommate Colin. What is Digital Front? Is that Digital Frontier? Yeah, Digital Frontier. Those yeah. guys were cool. Yeah, they were They were all very good friends of mine. The drummer from Digital Frontier was the first drummer for Horizon Wireless. What was I, that
1: one band from up there that I really liked that was like, uh, fucking... Sonic Spank? No, they're from here. Uh, we saw them, they played at Lunar Light, uh, but they were from up in New York by y'all. I don't know, never mind, I'm sorry. Dope. I um, remember it. I remember you saying you didn't like them, but I liked them quite a bit. They were always wearing sunglasses on stage. Sunglasses. On stage. <laughs> <laughs> Look, now we gotta get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Uh, come on. What's the band that played your Jamtronica bullshit up there? That was like doing really well for a while. What? From up in
0: my area? I think so.
1: Not that I ever remember. Uh. That's why I started my band because I was like, there's nothing. Not normal instruments, but like adjacent to that scene. Indo box, yeah, yeah, yeah. Indo box. I was like Boston. Oh, was. I like them.
0: They're great. Yeah. And Jules, their drummer, is an incredible musician and beyond. Still, yeah. I like them quite a bit. Um, Devin Sawa doing Jewface in this movie. Yeah. Here's the thing about like, dude, he's Jewish and his mom was cheating. All of it. The first few minutes. Wait, was your mom cheating?
1: Yeah. And I ended up having to go live with Oh my god. I went to dude. go live with my mom and That's and my stepdad, <laughs> who was the person she cheated on my dad with. It's the same plot of this it's movie. It's the plot
0: of this movie.
1: <laughs> it's the exact plot of the movie, Dan. That's not my fault. No. It's that <laughs> This is what I'm saying. How could I have missed this movie? I don't know. It was like your life story in action.
0: Incredible.
1: There were moments where I could have been the what's that Jewish actor's name who shows up in this movie as the Steven
0: Tobolowsky. Like
1: I could have become him. I had a moment in my life where a fucking person sat me down and was like, "Here's a business plan to move to an island and be the biggest LSD kings in the fucking Western Hemisphere." (coughs) But you would have to like cut ties with your entire family, and I'm like, "You're a fucking crazy person."
0: You were going to the islands though. And
1: no, I was like, absolutely not. That's (laughs) insane. Uh, And like he's there like listening to this version of brown-eyed woman I, I fucking love brown-eyed woman Dan <laughs> he's dropping literary references like there's a world where if I stayed in this world and never got in trouble that could have been me this is like it made me realize <laughs> like with the premise they set up for his backstory like you always hear about like <coughs> the lot seeing what it provides is like a family for wandering fucking souls and it's like the truth is like that's what it was for me and it did do that for me as like a person a kid who is totally lost with like no one raising me and then like the fact of the matter is people get older and the scene crumbles because the music stinks and then like that family disappears really quickly and most of them are in jail or fucking OD'd or like are doing heroin actively right or are like simping for goose and you can't fake it you can't have that be your circle you can't have people (laughs) hanging out at your house being like bro You're you're saying being a woke is toxic Oh, you got to hear this new goose jam from Peach Fest. And they're like, "See you later, alligator." I'm not a waiter. Alligator. And I'm like, "Dude, are you fucking with me right now? Are you f- <laughs> we're adults and you're showing me this wiggle shit?"
0: That's wiggle shit. Um, <clears throat> you ever smoke wiggles, Dan? <laughs> How many wiggles are you? Um, wow. Yeah, I mean this movie brings up a lot because it's so toxically accurate at points.
1: It starts with a dinner party where there's screaming jazz playing. I was like, oh, okay, wow. this kid's going to be fucked.
0: Also, like, I just want to say that there's a, a, a motif, like, we like calling out things that we see over and over again in movies. Anytime that there's, like, a Jewish character in a movie, <laughs> or if the main character is Jewish in a movie... They gotta, like, introduce that concept with the Mourner's Kaddish. It's always gotta (laughs) be that. Every time. It's always gotta be that. And not only that, it just, like, portrays what I find to be true about the Jewish people. Want to take a quick pause? Want to say I am Jewish? Yeah. Dan Enden is Jewish. But, like, one of the things that rubs me the wrong way... (laughs) about my own people is their constant obsession with death. Live your own
1: lifestyle, but don't flaunt it in my face. There's such
0: a (laughs) group of people who... It's very morose. ...base so much of their ritual and life around just the concept of death, and it's so exhausting. It's very serious. And Jews are always dying of weird diseases because we're all inbred, and it's it's a long and sordid tale, but the moral of the story is like, any breed exceptionalism in any direction good or bad is going to be problematic it's so crazy how ingrained in
1: you that gets as like i don't know but like neither of us have participated like you participate in judaism far more than i do just by the nature of your parents right i haven't been to shul since fucking my, i've
0: avoided physical shul for a while but but like it
1: sucks you know i ate that gummy and like i was a little like you know as i am in the a recurring theme first fifteen minutes of movies usually I'm kinda zoned out, not fully zeroed in yet. Like and, <laughs> and the then mor- you hear the the mourner's cottage like, was Yikadev, happening in the background Yikadev, and I was like not even paying attention but out loud you could and I went Amen. <laughs> out loud and Kat was like what?
0: And Well here's the thing, like they always introduce <laughs> Judaism as the mourner's Kaddish because Jews are obsessed with death and just a generally mournful people. And, and it's something it's that's, like, easiest... in Hebrew, and you can tell yeah. from
1: the tone of it that it's, sure. like, death-related, because it's so <laughs> fucking miserable.
0: Jews are just always at funerals. <laughs> Moving on. Um. <laughs> What's your funeral count, Dan? How many funerals have you been to? <laughs> so many at this point. Probably as, as many as I've been to weddings. I've been to way more funerals than weddings equal well i've been to an excess of weddings dude (laughs) in excess of weddings if i never would have met my wonderful wife i probably would have gone to like one wedding every two years and i go to like five a year um uh most poignant moment from a dialogue perspective that sums up our tragic lives that we've been describing for hours on this podcast about this movie and beyond is something that the rehab counselor says to Devin Sawa, which I thought was like just cuts to the core like strip away so much of the things that we've said in this podcast so far and boil it down to the following quote. First there's fun. Then there's fun with problems. Then there's just problems. Yeah. So true. And that is not only the story of this movie, which kind of again validates it not as a drug PSA, but like A pretty accurate telling of what a lot of people go through. Like, for example, to anybody who would say that this movie is is insidious in its presentation in terms of being a drug PSA, how do you tell the story of an L dealer in the '90s? Every person on the goes to a boarding school. And comes from prestigious parents who actually turn out to be pretty decent people in this movie. Weird twist. Pro-parent movie.
1: Every every person in the rental zone being like, I didn't care for the anti-drug rehab propaganda. And I'm just like, count off the top of your head how many of your friends are in recovery right now. Seriously? Count. It's so negligent. How many of
0: them have a steely on the same shoulder I do? It's a negligent opinion and stance that I don't appreciate. So, yeah, I get... I'm like, I, honestly,
1: thank God like this movie fucking did that instead of just being like, man, the lot, bro. I think what it's where your dreams
0: come true. What people are touching into as well to give them credit and to play devil's advocate is that the presentation of certain scenes of this film come off as if... It were a drug yeah, PSA. Yeah, it's free for madness i I'll shout out my favorite scene in the entire movie. Uh, there's a dinner scene. Um, it has all of my favorite quotes from the movie, one of which, uh, as we've mentioned, that they only refer to the concerts that they're going to as the concerts because, again, they, there's no one, like, actually licensed to be these artists that they are following Dude, anyway. there,
1: there, like, there were so many things I just kept laughing at, like, the music they were getting the rights to. I'm like... They were, pay- they were willing to pay, like, the undercard of every major festival. So there was, like, the Meters, there was Ziggy Marley, there was, like, P-Groove. It was, like, anything to get, like, just, like, a quick jam in there. I just
0: wish they had a better budget in that regard. Or support from a band. Like, if if, um, like, the Grateful Dead or some entity of it would have reached out and clo- like, like, combined their forces with the people that made this movie and made it like two degrees more in the almost famous almost direction. Right. You could have had like an all-time classic. But as it is, like, th- I don't know what a normal person would think if they saw this movie. Right. They would probably think it were a drug PSA a- maybe And they not. would,
1: yeah, they'd think this is way too, like, over the top to be realistic. Like, people don't realize what the lot is like. It's a fucking bizarre place. When I would have liked see to see more Nitrous and Fights.
0: What Dan and I are saying in this whole two episode block, two hour block, three hour block is that look how many shows Devin Sawa saw. It was like 30 ever. And Homie was chugging acid out of an eyedropper. Yeah. Dan and I have seen and played combined years worth of these things. Yeah, well and over a we thousand. Have survived. Yeah. And for that. 10 out of 10 for us. Yeah, yeah, good job. This feels like the end of the whole podcast. Shut it down. <laughs> Sh- shut down the whole movie. What, podcast what genre
1: is this movie?
0: Uh, uh, drama. Okay. Music slash drama. Okay, music slash drama. Cool. It's uh, got some bad narrative choices. Really, again, like, think it would have been so much funnier like from a comedy perspective to watch the downfall in order and just watch Devin Sawa go from like zero to look in an hour and a half. Yeah. Um,
1: there's the part of me that's like, are they trying to imply that like every one of these wooks is like coming from a place of trauma? And I'm like, that's probably not fair. But like in my instance, I am. So like, I'm like, this is correct.
0: It feels correct. <laughs> <laughs> I had trouble, um, seeing past, obviously that the, re- the relatability of it, um, My notes reflect that. I pretty much spent my notes just explaining what I was Leo pointing. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are points where I just say door towel and plastic bong time. I
1: know. I know. Dude, the little details like that were like really hitting me.
0: Door towel. Huge, huge detail. Um, Door towel, breathing through a spoof. Spoofing it.
1: Yeah. The fucking terror of a door knocking and then it's just like your boy.
0: Smoking in the dorms, bro. The gay energy in his boarding school, same as my high school. Um,
1: yeah, that was something like I had no related, <laughs> like no nothing That's to where it to, became more my life yeah. story. And Kat was like, she was like, I can't imagine like an all boys teenager boarding school as a pleasant place. And I was like, yeah, I can't even imagine what an all boys school would
0: be like. I didn't go to an all boys school, but I went to a deeply waspy school that was for millionaires. Yeah, It was like Harry Potter with no magic and a lot of anti-Semitism. Speaking of anti sabotage, just Harry Potter. Just to bring it back. (laughs) Just normal Harry Potter. Just to bring it back
1: to part one. Right. All y'all, everyone giving string cheese a pass when their drummer's a Nazi is really weird to me.
0: All right. Relax. I've done my research on that. Okay. I think he was only briefly a Nazi, like Kanye, and then he watched a Jonah Hill movie and apologized. He saw Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) He saw 21 Jump Street 2. He saw Moneyball. Um, he was like them Jews good at math. There were moments of stunning clarity. There were moments of pitch perfect reality one to one And then there were times that would pull me out of it. Yeah. Like in the lot where everyone is holding balloons on strings <laughs> yeah. full of helium. Yeah. In giant clusters, but just holding them. Right. Just walking with them because somebody probably like looked at photos of a Grateful Dead show and were like, in the nineties and we're like, look at all these balloons. Yeah.
1: They were just trying to illustrate that there's visual stimuli fucking everywhere Everywhere. on a small budget. (laughs) Like when you, when I think about it, dude, like music festivals are like a really fucking crazy thing. Like Mm -hmm. it's just crazy that there was a time in my life where like I could drive to a place and spend four days just like on all of the drugs. So spun out of it out of control on acid in a way that anywhere in public I would have been thrown in a mental institution but like feel (laughs) so so comfortable just wander around see music that I think is incredible afterwards find out is the worst Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) if I'm like freaking out I can wander into a random tent look at like really cool art to just calm myself down and like everyone's just good with it and then like then I'm just like I think about festivals now festivals getting corporatized is so wild dude the biscuits ruined everything going to Montage Mountain. That that's, place that's, sucks. That's a theory. <laughs> uh, Montage Mountain is terrible. Yeah, sucks ass. Hate that. Peach fest.
0: Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, right, It's too hot. Um how is this somehow Tara Reed's most relatable role? I dude.
1: I was like, I was like, damn, Shorty. <laughs> I was like, I knew you multiple times on multiple lots.
0: Her main dance move was like she was doing a Hadouken from Street Fighter. <laughs> Been there. Um, best scene of the movie combines everything we've talked about in terms of drug PSA, humor, drug humor, relatability, cringe is the dinner scene Yeah. where Devin Sawa and Tara Reid have dinner with uh, Devin Sawa's stepmom and uh, his dad. And it's, I didn't like what came first, this scene or the memes that were like, but dad, he sells pins. Yeah, right. Like, this is that in a a studio Warner Brothers movie. Yeah. I mean, it really blew my mind, honestly. Yeah, me too. And they're at the table and he's like, we made this money doing veggie stir fry and I sold T-shirts. I've had that conversation with my parents.
1: (laughs) Literally. Like I have sat there being like, yeah, I sold that many pins. I don't know. Spot on. Yeah. (sighs) They were like, what do you mean? You got arrested selling drugs six months ago. I'm like, yeah, but now I'm keeping it straight and narrow, baby.
0: I run a kitchen of sorts.
1: My, uh, my favorite scene slash idea in the movie is when he gets the package that he thinks is full of drugs and torpedoes his entire life to steal it and run out. And it's literally, that was crazy. It's literally a note that you thought this was drugs.
0: How you also know that this movie is a PSA, and I thought this was brilliant too, because as I've alluded to a couple times, like I am a, a retired Wook, but... I still see shows every once in a while. I'm not working on tour by any means or selling veggie platters. But there is the idea that if you don't die from drug abuse or you don't just OD at a show and die and you somehow make it through the maelstrom that is being a jam band fan and musician beyond that you exist in like a peaceful afterstate where you still get to see shows You get to be kind of an adult. You have a normal life to some extent, but, like, the best you can do is, like, you still see some shows, but you're, like, an adult. That is the best case scenario for most of us. But it also makes me wonder
1: if there's, like, a forced, like, an inherent forced discontentment that comes from that of just, like, existing in the real world after, like, living like that for so long. A little bit. Where, like... Me and you are both very crotchety cynical people about things and I'm just like, well yeah, we got to experience just like what it is to just like straight chill.
0: Well yeah, I got to take acid 250 times,
1: so. And now we're both in therapy.
0: <laughs> um like
1: it is true when your brain is developing, you should not dump psychedelics all over it over and over again. It's not good for your development or your mental
0: health. Yeah, I want to be clear because because I've done all of these things, I am the first person I can tell you that you shouldn't do them. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes me qualified to be a rehab counselor, so be it. Um, if I'm closer to the really out of control, mad black rehab counselor lady in this movie than I am to Devon Sawa, then that's because I've come a long way. Yeah.
1: I relate to him like having an absolutely terrifying bad trip at a show, and then still choosing to like continue to just do tons of acid, even though like obviously like. A bad trip's, like, the most terrifying fucking traumatic thing ever. And still, you're like, well, next time we'll be fine. And then usually it is, until it's not, and you're like, "Ah, I'm an idiot. I just committed to eight hours of this.
0: Now I can't see myself in the mirror. <laughs> um... Yeah, uh, good movie. Love Stephen Tobolowsky showing up and being Given like, some
1: legitimacy to this piece of shit.
0: Being, <laughs> being like the Andy Warhol of this movie. Hilarious in this um, movie. He was great in it. Um, that guy's a king. I, I said at one point, I can fucking smell this movie. That was probably when Devin Sawa was sleeping in his van that was still moving. They were driving it with Reed. And she was like, well anymore and he was like let me smoke the ball bitch I know that was so weird that scene was so melodramatic loved it <laughs> um but yeah the scene in which Devin Sawa takes out all of his acid money and throws it on the table is just yeah that's a 10 out of 10 moment um just again blessings that this movie existed blessings that we came upon it when we did and um that's really all I have to say about it I mean really dug up Many things that my therapist gets paid to hear, and um, there's a lot more where that came from. So maybe uh, we'll do some other piece of media that requires us to talk about these things. But uh, for me, GGR. My GGR is going to be an 8 out of 10 because there's a situation where this is a 10 out of 10, but as a movie, it's n- clearly not. Yeah. But I can't, I have to give it so many flowers that the flower meter is. Pushing the GGR to a healthy 8 out of 10. Just a blessed experience for anyone who's been in or out of the scene. A cultural gem. Genius. Really personal. Hit really too close to home. And made me woozy a few times. Because of it. 8 out of 10. Dan?
1: I uh, am also going to give it an 8 out of 10. Nice. Um, (laughs) This movie profoundly... It impacted me last night <laughs> Of course it did
0: I'm sad that you had to watch it like in one shot I was Because like, I needed a real break I was immediately
1: regretting eating 60 milligrams of gummy
0: If not for this then what you know
1: Dude just all oh, the shit with the fucking parents I'm just like man <laughs>
0: Trigger warning uh, is what this yeah, one should have came Yeah, I was with. like... Can I, I, were you I, mad at me that I didn't warn you?
1: No, no, because, like, we both... I didn't make this movie. We both agreed to watch the movie blind. We knew we were yeah. going in blind, but, like... I, Damn. <laughs> there, there was... It was hitting a point where I was like, there's no way he didn't know. Like... I didn't even read a synopsis this is of it. an elaborate ruse to fuck with me. And then, like... <laughs> I had the moments where I'm like... Of course like, you think it's my fault. Like, and no, and then it's like, I'm like... Someone had to have time-traveled to do this. There's no way. There's just no way. Like, this movie is here to put so much of my life in perspective.
0: (laughs) Shout-out to the Movie Blues Podcast for changing Dan Enden's life a little bit.
1: It didn't change. I'm going to make the same mistakes tomorrow.
0: I know, but it's nice to have this. But
1: I just, I can't believe this exists. It's so fucking odd. It's really Mandela effect shit. Yeah, truly. And just like where where was this movie? I f- would feel like if a movie like this came out, Wooks would have flocked to it. So where was it? And why weren't this? Some being people
0: to? knew about it, eh? It's weird. It is weird.
1: Uh shout out Devin Sawa. Shout out Tara Reed.
0: <laughs> what a what a cast.
1: I just I don't I don't
0: know, man. Fucking it's a lot. Sorry. We didn't know we were going to go so deep. (laughs) Definitely affected you more than Halloween ends would have. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, I would like to do my final bit here. Just going to announce the next drug bracket of movies and get Dan Engine's general uh, reaction to them as they come off. Like you want GGRs? Just general thoughts. GGRs is typically included in that. If you just want to shoot numbers off, that, that would be fine too. Um. And next week, we are going to do uh, Wes Craven's Deadly Friend for the final episode of season six of the Movie Blues podcast. We are going to unveil the spinner that includes all of the movies for season seven, sequel season, Baby. uh, To Dan's upsetment. (laughs) (laughs) It is the winter of my discontent. First movie. And some of these are a little stretch because, I mean, there's only so many of these fucking movies. Yeah. So, you know, be easy on me. Okay. Or don't. Or tell me this is not appropriate. Okay. But Friday. Friday? Oh, I love Friday. Great, man. One of my favorite all
1: time comedies. Spun. Uh, we've talked about Spun a bunch of times.
0: Quality picture.
1: I haven't seen it. It's a or weird really. thing to put against Friday.
0: I'm not saying that these are the matchups, I'm saying yeah. these are the movies. Weird cast. Do not expect that these are the matchups. Subject to change. Uh, uh,
1: uh, uh, Definitely. I haven't seen it since middle school. Probably.
0: Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You know, that's Bill and Ted. Okay.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm a more of a Bogus Journey guy, honestly.
0: I haven't seen them since I was a little kid.
1: Bogus Journey is really funny and has all that fucking like uh, Bergman parody shit. Yeah,
0: I just never. I need to try them again. Yeah, they're not the best. Big Lebowski, once again. Yeah, you know, the goat. The goat on a bracket, always on there. Crazy to see that Days and Confused lost to Half-Baked. Unbelievable. But Days and Confused has won many movie blues brackets before in yeah. one way or another, so. As it should. Um, Van Wilder. <laughs> I just watched Van Wilder, man. <laughs> it's such
1: a bad movie, but Tara Reid, shout out. Yeah, movie that I loved as a kid, and now I'm like, Embarrassed. that's not okay. <laughs> No part of that movie is kosher. Yeah.
0: I should rewatch it. It's you should.
1: It's fucking wild.
0: We rewatched Tropic Thunder* the other night. Not a very funny movie. This is way worse than that. People are gonna be really upset to hear what I just said, but well, whatever. Just straight That's through fine. it, whatever. People just love blackface. Uh, *Fast Time at Ridgemont High*.
1: Okay, that feels like an appropriate movie.
0: *Tenacious D* in *The Pick of Destiny*. Okay, great movie. It's one of the funniest like stoner comedies ever. Yeah. I mean, I just am. A huge fan of that movie. Super bad. You know. The I goat. feel like that's a stretch, but it's the goat. Ted.
1: Ted fucking stinks. <laughs> <laughs> that that movie sucks ass. People like that movie. I yeah. <laughs> People like Mark Wahlberg.
0: That's movie sucks. Requiem for a Dream. Okay, we talked about that already at length yeah, on the podcast. At length, I'm a huge fan of it. Just watched it recently. It was still incredible. Um, Around the fire, I'm going to throw in. (laughs) Fair. And
1: honestly, like, even if it loses, I'll probably overrule that.
0: Then we have the... (laughs) I'll probably overrule that. Love that. Love that energy. Um, uh, Where are we here? Um, All right, this is the jam band matchup, because the other one had the wall. Okay. And yellow submarine. (laughs) Okay. This is gonna offset things quite a bit. Okay, is it the last waltz versus stop making sense? Bittersweet motel. Okay, versus stop making sense.
1: Okay, they're two very different kinds of movies.
0: It's either that or the progression DVD from the biscuits. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Um, bittersweet motel. Hmm. Directed by Todd Phillips. Yep. Of, of the Hangover fame. Of the Hangover 3 fame. That, dude, that movie. Uh, in college, I bought. That movie's huge for me. I bought the New York subway size poster of Sweet Motel, mm-hmm. and it went from the floor to the ceiling of my basement where I lived. And God, Trey's such a fucking asshole in that movie. It is hilarious.
0: Uh, then Traffic, starring Michael Douglas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Benicio, right? Yeah and Electric Apricot. Oh, the best. Those those are the choices. Oh, oh
1: that's what I was going to say when I said there was something that should be on sequel season, is that Electric Apricot should be the sequel to this movie.
0: Mm. We can put it on the B list. All right, Mr. It's Renden. Electric Apricot, for the record. Apricot, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Vaseline Groove. Um, see you next week, people. Hey. Do we have a current catchphrase? Bada-bing! I would like to see the baby.